Hello, and welcome to TNT, the Technology and Things podcast. Your host, Paul Ferraro, is a former IT exec and currently a technology advisor. Jeff Kruger, a fellow technology enthusiast, is the co-host. They both spent many years working for a Fortune 500 company and are both passionate about leadership, technology, and the community. Hello, and welcome to TNT. This is the second installment with Teddy Lindsay, where we're talking about his career and his life and his impact. And we also, in this episode, we jump into discussing about the threats that we're facing as a nation. And we cover a wide variety of topics from, uh, from that and, and kind of what's happening in the security space to, you know, how do, how do we help those in need in the community? And so another fascinating discussion with Teddy. We hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed episode one. And we thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Do you feel like as a as a nation we're in a better security position as than we were, you know, on September twelfth, two thousand one? You know, I think that the landscape has changed so much that you like. I mean, the world is a completely different place than it was at nine eleven. I mean, you know, on uh, September twelfth, you know, and you know, we were super focused on international terrorism, right? You know, on on domestic soil and. The, the the concerns that we have nowadays are completely different. I mean, we're basically looking at things like, you know, a, a looming war in the, you know, Straits of Hormuz with Iran. Right. You know, we're dealing with like a cyber cold war on multiple fronts, foreign meddling and influence in our election, like electoral process. I mean, it's just, it's, the world is a different place. It's a, amazing in retrospect. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's not cool. The threats aren't cool. No. But it's interesting that, you know, in in whatever it's been, not even 20 years, that, that much has changed. Yeah. And um, I remember there was a lot of conversation post 9-11 about, uh, you know, the law enforcement not having the tools they needed to yeah. sort of deal with the problem of loosely organized terror organization, uh, organizations. And now maybe we've got that solved that's like oh whole new set of threats that are some of them old threats that are coming back yeah new ones so you always have to kind of stay one step ahead right yeah some of the um some of the experiences that i had in the fbi really influenced kind of like my the the philosophy i took for the last 10 years or so uh, since i re-entered the private sector one of those was i mean it there wasn't a week that went by that I wasn't at a uh, large enterprise, a government facility, or a contractor w- that wasn't being infiltrated by the Chinese, the right. Russians, you know, you name it. You know, f- f- countries that we feel are their allies, yet they're still conducting espionage oper- uh, operations on us. And it really, ha- I re- it forced me to recalibrate how I thought about, like, computer security or info security and that our attack surface is so large compared to other societies because we're so dependent on the internet and so right. forth in comparison to a country say like North Korea is that because we're 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 also like really open we're free and open society yeah. Yeah. yeah and and the uh and we take advantage of these 
things. And that, and that's part of our strength. Um, yet it also presents an enormous attack surface for anybody who wants to exploit it. And uh, so I kind of switched my thinking over to, I really want to work on offensive technologies rather than defensive, just because, you know, when you're playing that game, it's an arms race. And the bad guys have to own, they can try and try and try and they only have to be right once. Right. And they, you know, whereas like as a defender, you have to be right every single time. And so, you know, I was looking at how things were developing. Like you, you have, and, and these are still true today, even more so is like you look at uh, the People's Republic uh, Army and their cyber core and they, you know, they're dedicating massive efforts toward building that up. Same with, you know, Russia and all their connections and so forth of, they're actively cultivating these kinds of uh, cadres of people to focus on exploiting and influencing the very systems that we thought 20 years ago were going to be the vehicle of freedom and uh, liberty and freedom of expression around the world. You know, that right. you remember back then that was like the internet was going to bring in this new realm of liberty across the world, you know, but a lot of these uh, regimes, they've really looked at that and they figured out how to exploit it as like, you know, the very thing of we don't moderate or um, restrict what can be said. Like exploiting Facebook used. or using exactly. social media. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's the, the influence operations that are basically being conducted against the American populace through social media today is, is a direct kind of response to, um, you know, what had been looked at by adversaries as like a, uh, a huge challenge for them. You know, but they've really figured out how to make use of that today. And it, it's a challenge for us because, you know, we, the, the only way to really crack down on that is to become a totalitarian society where we, <laughs> right. we, we restrict everything. That's what I was going to say was like, they, they're not, they're not necessarily having that problem because they're, they, they don't, they don't have a free and open. Yeah. Internet. Censorship is, is a, is a integral, you know, part of like their, their policies. Right. They're not here. And so that's uh you know, what it, it's a weakness for us. But it's also, you know, it's one of the strengths that we have. But it's just, we're still, we're still grappling with that as a society. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to bring us answers today, Teddy. Come on. Well, <laughs> it, it's, that's actually one of the things that I've been working on uh, for quite a while. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these, and this is going to sound so trite, but it's like a lot of these activities are highly classified. Sure. No, we understand. Uh, and it's the kind of work that <laughs> We were I'm, hoping you'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> it really lends credibility to the podcast when exactly. we have people yeah. who can't talk about things. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just say redacted. Yeah. yeah. We can definitely fully redact Ooh. anything as well. Yeah. Like we could just put like a P in there or. Exactly. You know, this... We could just put that in there anyways. Yeah. This audio and, was redacted. And at people the request were like, well, what did he say there? It's like, sorry, we just had to take it out. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's, that's, so, so take us back. Maybe, you know, you were at the FBI. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like you have, you, you look back on that time and go like, that was, you know, great experience. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, why aren't you still there? A couple of reasons. Um, so one of the challenges with trying to be, really push the envelope and be innovative within a large bureaucracy is it, it, it's very challenging to do that. I mean, you guys, we've seen that ourselves yeah. in the private sector Oh yeah, and it's probably as bad or worse in the government. And a lot of the things I was doing, I was really pushing the envelope in multiple ways of like, you know, my approach to incident response or to forensics and so forth was really kind of going against the grain of how the, 
conventional approach was. And, you know, I'll give you an example is, you know, when I began, the approach for digital forensics is you go into the building and you pull the plug on every machine, you bag it up, you (laughs) take it back to the forensics lab and you basically... You try to turn it, it back on. You image and, the hard drive. Right. And, you, and yeah. so, but that sounds you know, like a reasonable way to do it. Yeah. The problem is with like, with strong encryption is like you bust down the door and you catch a guy hands on keyboard with his pants around his ankles or, you know, whatever for child porn. Oh, and it's like, you've actually got a machine, like the guy didn't lock his, his uh, true crypt folder or whatever. Right. It's like you have an opportunity to actually get in there and see what is on that machine. Right. But you're going to have to take it while it's live, right? So you've got a window. And the, the challenge there is, okay, now if I'm actually interacting with this machine, I've got to testify to every change that I potentially have introduced to this machine. And this becomes the, uh, the excuse of, oh, the FBI planted child porn on my computer. Or, right, because you get on the computer, you start doing stuff, and then exactly. it's like, well, what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's something that, you know, it's it's very risky for somebody to be able to uh, testify to all the potential changes that might occur just interacting with the shell of an operating system, much less installing something or running right. an application. So it took me in a direction where I was, especially when it came to things more of national security nature, where I was really pushing towards these more active measures rather than the the relying on pulling the plug and getting back to the office and potentially having an opaque encrypted brick of data (laughs) that you can't do anything with. You know, there was that aspect. And so as as well as other, oh, I'm sorry. I I was just going to ask because it kind of sounds like too, if you, you may have a situation where then the level of individual that's, you know, with the FBI that's, that's, that's on site, you could get different uh, mileage, I guess, on, on, on that collection or right. If you, if, one guy rolls up on it and he has a certain level of expertise yeah. and then you roll up on it and you're like, it's a totally different level of expertise. You're going to yeah. get a yeah, different and, outcome. Yeah. And that, and that kind of that, goes against the grain of like, you want a set of procedures and approaches that gives you the same result every time. Right. Right. And so I, I worked on a set of tools where I tried to automate a lot of these capabilities so that it would be like, we can insert something. We Got know it. exactly what impact it's going to have. It's going to collect certain data. So, that, um, anyways, there there was uh, that was part of it, and then uh, I did a lot of work more on the analytics side uh, of things, and a lot of the efforts that I had been advocating for actually found a lot more support outside of the FBI. Then, so it was like Department of Defense, more on the intel. Got it. Um, uh, military side of things. Uh, yet some of the things that I wanted to do, some of the more offensive capabilities, they, they were not, you could not do them under the constitution. And that's the thing you have to remember is the FBI is their entire mandate is driven by the constitution. So a lot of the things, like if you look at what the um, CIA or the NSA, the outward focused um, organizations do, they are not governed by the Constitution. So they kind of have operate with gloves off, so to speak. Um, so I had this... Um, oh, interesting. I didn't know that. I, I thought they had to follow the Constitution also. No, I, because like <laughs> foreign, um, foreign nationals are not governed by... They're not citizens. They're not governed by the Constitution. Yeah, so, Constitution protects citizens, not, not uh, people outside. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. or I guess it doesn't protect citizens if they're talking to people outside the U.S. either, right? 
Uh, you're getting into the kind of Patriot Act. Kind uh-huh. of, um, yeah, I see Talking about I... <laughs> metadata and so forth. Yeah, that that's there, there's a we could bring in a legal scholar. A, let's to not do that. that. Yeah. It'd be very <laughs> but, expensive and probably extremely we can't afford dry. that. And yeah. we, we have a very low budget, Teddy. <laughs> yeah. So so anyways, uh, make a long story short, I, I had actually won several awards. Um, so I'd won the highest award the bureau gives away, which is the uh, director's award for excellence, and I had w- won something uh, the DEA's administrator's award for various operations I had conducted. And so I had a lot of attention in Washington. And as part of that, I was able to actually um, request that a lot of my efforts, which I couldn't conduct uh, in the FBI, be firewalled off and compartmentalized into a separate corporation. Uh, so it took about 18 months to negotiate the, you know, uh, the conflicts of potential conflicts right, of interest right. and so forth. And so I created a company called Edge Intelligence on the side that actually was able to um, provide these capabilities to various organizations that needed them uh, and, and have it uh, compartmentalized really away from my yeah. day-to-day work. Um, that little side business became way more successful than I ever anticipated and eventually did become a conflict of interest. Uh, but the, and that's actually I'm, this is a very long story, but I'm leading up to uh, I, ha- I got a call from a friend of mine who is part of uh, the bureau's um, he's a legal counsel, legal counsel in the bureau. And he, he said, like, you need to be really careful where you're treading because people are starting to understand, like, the amount of money you make through your side gig and people get jealous. And it only takes one anonymous complaint that you might be abusing your position or whatever, right. and you'll be on the bench for six months. But even if you come off of this um, internal investigation, you'll never escape that stink of like you were under investigation. Right, right. So he's like, you better look at selling this thing or spinning it off or doing something. And so I actually started talking to various organizations. I actually talked to Qualcomm Government Systems and um, – and I ended the the company that ended up uh, that I ended up selling to was uh, called the Braxis, and it was actually um, the uh, CEO is a guy named uh, Richard uh, Helms, a really interesting guy, career uh, CIA, uh, real visionary in the in the tech field, and he he had assembled a team of just legends out of the intelligence community. And I was completely blown away by the team he had built. Wow. And for me, it just completely made sense of they understood both the technical vision uh, as well as had that mission and experience. Uh, and so I ended up selling my company uh, to Abraxas, but I had to be part of the deal. There was actually n- none of the folks I talked to would just accept the company and the intellectual property. They had to have me as part of the deal. So I ended up uh, leaving government service. And it was really... It was very bittersweet. That must have been tough. Yeah. It was tough, yeah, you know, because I'd been leaving. I was leaving some of the best friends I'd ever made, and uh, a job I loved uh, to go to every day. Because I mean, every day you showed up, you never knew what you're going to find. You yeah. Know? It, it, some days were incredibly boring, and it was all paperwork. But there were other days where you would just be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm being paid to do this. This is amazing." And Jeff and I used to say that when we were in IT. <laughs> yeah. We would go, man, I can't believe they're paying us for this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And every day was different, but I know. I got Yeah, I got so many stories to tell uh, about the, the I stuff. I feel like that changed at some point. <laughs> well, it didn't stay that way forever. That's true. What well, sounds like you had you had a little bit of the best of both worlds there going where you had you were able to do kind of yeah. some of the work that you wanted to do and be able to, yeah. you know. So but it wasn't going to last forever. Right, right. Yeah. And so... Um, so I ended up leaving government service and uh, joining this company. And the, the company um, was originally a services company. 
and uh, really focused on, they had a lot of folks out of the intelligence community that were actually doing really compelling and interesting work for the, for the intelligence community. Mm-hmm. Um, in, and if that, that time period, that was kind of like we had two wars going on in Afghanistan and Iraq. And there was a lot of operations to be conducted. Um, I kind of took things in a different direction in that I ended up building what became our flagship product. Uh, and uh, it's not actually something that's advertised on the sure. website, but it's <laughs> but it, it, it's something. Does that your is, company does this company have a website? We do. Yeah. Um, the company has actually changed its name since then, and and part I'm actually getting to that in that I helped really build what ended up being our flagship product, and it took the company in a direction where we it showed us that products and technology could actually be a uh, viable alternative to services so we ended up actually ser- selling the services business to Cubit Corporation back in i think 2010 oh, wow. uh, and we rebranded as Intrepid Corporation and really the focus was around the technology side and that that's always been for me um one, like my philosophy uh philosophies that i talked to earlier is like we need force multipliers like we're never going to win a numbers game. So right. we got to actually be able to be 10, 20 fold more effective than, than our opponents. And so this has actually allowed me to really focus on that uh, and, and create capabilities that are, are huge force multipliers for um, our, our country's mission. So, That's awesome. So yeah, it's been interesting stuff. So the, pro- the service would the services be more, um, hired like it, it services uh, well it, typically it's you know pe- people call it quote unquote butts and seats you know this is where you're actually um, okay got it and there, there's a ton of companies You've, you know it's the boeings and lidos and lockheed and uh, you know raytheon they all do amazing work you know and they build you know some of the, you know, the most amazing technology you know that our our kind of country has at its disposal but they also you know have a lot of people who do kind of contract work got and it so got forth. it we're kind of more narrowly focused in that we create um technologies without a huge services component that goes with it because and this is gonna this is probably gonna upset some people but the thing that i saw in the government is oftentimes large firms the the bigger they get, the focus is not always 110% on the mission. It's also, how do we make a project that is the most costly, most complex, hardest to support, that's going to maintain the longest contract duration, right. and the most change orders over the longest period of time as we possibly can. Yep. Uh, and that's something that I've always rejected and have really tried to make capabilities that are easier to deploy and well, you're, it's the, like almost like you're doing stuff where in the, like in the private sector, they want that kind of stuff. Like private sector doesn't yeah, want, doesn't want to have a absolutely buy a product and then you have to have people surround it for the next yeah. twenty years, right? Yeah, it's a very different it's, model, right? Yeah, and it's kind of more of that Silicon Valley lean startup um, yep. mentality rather than how do we actually have this army of people actually supporting this? It's and cool I, that your company is on board with your vision. You know yeah, I mean? and it's just not mine. It was, you know, the yeah. CEO is, he, he, I think we were really aligned w- yeah. with that. And he was a total maverick, you know, during his, his when he was within the uh, intelligence community. And this has really been a continuation of the, the efforts that we, uh, w- you know, we aligned on. That's great. So, yeah. Yeah, that is good. Because I think we all, you know, as private citizens, we hear about the golden wrenches and the $500 <laughs> yeah. toilet seats and stuff. And, <laughs> You know, there's a lot of contract abuse of the government, yeah. and a lot of times it's 
it's blamed on the government, but the flip side is, you know, it's there's somebody who's selling that stuff. Yeah, it's a and, huge business, and, and those kind of exceptions are definitely going to get highlighted. So your yeah. product's a lot more sort of like, you know, we're going to train you, here's the product, and you don't need to have uh, uh, an analyst that goes along with it or a whole yeah, desk full of them. And it, it's it's a really hard thing to do, but we've tried we've we strive to create products that are more quote unquote off the shelf that still meet these very specific operational uh, capabilities, so that the 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 uh, customers can be largely self sufficient and the product just works right. uh, more often than not. That's so, so cool. Is it? Yeah. I mean, understanding it's classified. Is there any feature set that you can? Give us like a, it kind of does something like this, or one of the things it could do is that, and you, you don't violate any rules. Is there anything um, you could share? I, I probably should be pretty careful about it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's more on the kind of, I would say, on the human intelligence side of things, where it's more of dealing with um, how people actually project, how our operators actually project their capabilities out into the internet space, rather than creating like a, offensive malware that's actually going to exploit some system. So right. that, that's, but, um, <laughs> so it's, so it's more of acting as a building force multiplier so that our people can actually go out and, uh, conduct various operations. And this has actually become a huge area of interest specifically since the public's become more aware of this since 2016. I would imagine like all this research influence yeah. operations. Yeah. yeah. And that can be everything from like bots to actually human driven, very selective influence that actually can move the needle, so to speak, right. at a political level. It's so. just note to self: keep an eye on what Teddy's doing because it's <laughs> generally it's right at the center of like what <laughs> what needs to be happening right now. Yeah, know? very relevant. <laughs> well, thanks, Teddy. This has been uh, this has been great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's good to catch up with you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's I think I learned a lot of stuff that we didn't even go over in our pre-interview. Absolutely, and. Uh, yeah, you're very uh, eloquent and a lot of lot of great stuff. <laughs> Thanks, and, guys. And you may, and like it's very patriotic too. Like I feel, you know. Do you feel better? <laughs> no, I. Or you feel I'm worse? feeling the guilt that that Teddy felt. Oh. On September 12th, like I'm, oh, okay. I'm feeling that. Like, gee, I've never. I can identify with that because uh, well, most of the men in my family have served in wartime, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I haven't. I mean, I think mainly because there just wasn't uh, a conflict at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I didn't sign up or anything like that. But um, yeah. There I, was I'm, Kosovo. I was a little young for Kosovo. <laughs> we yeah. kind of grew up I in mean, a period where there was, it's funny, it's like if you look back historically, that was actually like a pretty lengthy period of peace. Yeah. You know, but for us, you whatever you grew up with is like, oh, that's just boring, normal life. And so right, because the Berlin Wall went yeah. down, that was sort of like... You yeah, know, we were that, finishing high school yeah. and that came down. And, yeah. And... Um, yeah, and now it's just been like nonstop. There's some low, you know, there's some brush fire war or some involvement we have somewhere in the world, you know, all the time, and that's unfortunate. But yeah. um, well, I'm glad yeah. we have people like you working on it, Teddy. I mean, you're, oh, thanks, you're very man. dedicated. Oh, I appreciate and it. Super smart. So oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm so lucky that I was able to actually contribute. I mean, that's. Um, yeah, that's one of the things I've learned, I think, over the years is, like, just being able to actually, like, get involved with something. Like, what you guys are doing with, like, your charities and so mm-hmm. forth, that's huge, you know, because it's um, – no matter what scale you do it at, it's, like, that involvement, I think, is it, – it, it helps you, but it also encourages other people to yeah. do things. Like, uh, I mean, there's another story I'll tell for – like, one of my best <laughs> friends um, died of ALS, and, like, that was something I knew nothing about, and – 
Uh, we'll save this for another podcast, but it was something sure. where I kind of went deep into learning about that particular um, condition, disease, and and you know, creating technology to actually help him um, for um, you know, assistive technology wow. and so forth. And I think for so many of our circle of friends, they can only sit by and and just feel helpless, you know, and watch it happen. And I was able to actually apply my skills to actually help. And I think in a weird way, it's like it's almost selfish in that it was like it made me feel better because I could actually help. But, you know, ultimately it really did yeah, but if improve his quality exactly, of life. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess you, you could say that about a lot of different charity things. It's like what's, the, you know, but if, if it's ultimately helping people, yeah. then, you know, you're yeah. doing it for the right yeah. the right reason. Well, well thanks very much, Teddy. Absolutely, yeah. Let's do this again sometime. We, we definitely will. And um, looks like the water worked out today, Jeffrey. Good. We had that. Yep. yep. We've, we're making changes. Okay. Yep. As we go. We had a new new studio today. Uh, <laughs> different acoustics, different uh, challenges. Yeah. But uh, still a good interview. Yeah, I think so. All right. Thanks, All right. Teddy. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right.